Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Jim Cobray. I want to talk to you, though, first. I taught this message 40 years ago. God spoke to me and said, I want you to do it. And I, <clears throat> as soon as I had the peace of God about teaching this message, I mean, I had the peace of God. I taught it, that was originally about 40 years ago. And, you know, I didn't do a very good job because nobody got it. You know, and sometimes, you know, teach some, something and it's, and it's difficult to understand. And they don't get it, you blame them. But really, it's a lot on me, you know. And now I'm old enough to admit it. And then um, some years back, I taught all the pastors in the Inland Empire this, uh, this particular message. And I, I thought it was a great message. And they didn't get it. And I just figured I did a, another bad job. I actually didn't figure that at the time. I really said, they're dumb. I, I did a good job. <laughs> but now I realize I didn't do such a good job. And so, and then I think I taught it one other time somewhere along the line at this church while we were in this building, maybe 15 years ago. But the Spirit of God clearly, you know, and Debbie and I have volumes, we have these big books, volumes and volumes of messages. I'm talking literally thousands and thousands and thousands, 40 some odd years of messages. And we have thousands. And so the other day she's cleaning out closets. So what do you do with all that stuff? You know, and I've tossed them all these years because I've never, when I go back to a book and teach a book, I never go back to my old notes because it's not about what my notes say, it's about what God says. So I start over, I always have, I've always started over fresh. So this message, I knew the bones of it, but I hadn't gotten the meat of it. And tonight, I want to give you the meat of it. But it's going to take some concentration on your part. And you ought to be excited about that. In other words, it's not just coming here and getting a shout and feeling good. But it's really get in depth, something that will change your life, especially, I think this is why the Holy Spirit had me to teach this, especially during these times in America that you're part of. And, and when God spoke it to me, he wanted me to encourage you, don't get bored with it, because I'm going to share a lot of stuff, and I'll try to do it in such a way that you can understand it. Because when you get this, it will change your whole entire life. It'll change your dynamics. It'll change literally how you think about people. It starts off with a verse in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. You might want to go there with me. And the title of the message is Your Priestly Robes. And so it's important that you understand this. And I'll explain why it's your and then why it's your priestly, and why it's your priestly robes, and how that all fits in tonight. Very, very important. I mean, I don't mean just to say that, to say it, very, very important. It is, listen to me, I, I'm, I'm an old guy, I've been around 45 years preaching the gospel. Some of you are not even 45 years old. And, and I've learned some things, and I wanna share this with you. It's gonna take you to put your concentration hat on to get this. And this verse that I'm going to read to you is a crazy verse because God is asking you to do something very, very, very important. And when you read the verse, nobody in this room, nobody 
is going to understand what the verse is saying, number one. And secondly, you, if you study the verse, you will realize you cannot do the verse. That's what's bizarre. God is going to ask you to do something that you literally cannot do. Why would he ask you to do that? And that's what makes this so exciting. When you understand it and see it, then you can see how you can do it. It becomes, wow, amazing. So listen for the next 30 minutes, and let's go to 1 Corinthians, and let's go to uh, verse number 9 of the chapter of chapter number 1. And in chapter number 1, it starts off with these words. And I, I, everything I'm going to say, I'm going to put up on the overhead, or at least try to. God is faithful, of whom you have been called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And because you've been called into this relationship with God, he makes a statement that God is faithful. Now, right after he makes that statement, now stop for a second, think about this. Right after he makes this statement, God is faithful. He's now going to ask you to do something you can't do. Impossible. You can't do it. And it is the wildest verse that I've ever come across for unity in the Bible in verse number 10. In verse number 10, he says, he starts off with this, now I plead, in the new king, I mean, uh, the old King James, it says, I beseech you. Now, wait a minute. In case you don't want to just get the whole impact of that, let me give it to you because you probably didn't understand what I just said. But if you listen, you'll really see how amazing this is, what I just said. He said, I plead. This is the Holy Spirit moving upon the writer, whom we know is Paul, in Corinthian church, writing to the Corinthian church. And it's not really Paul writing this. Now listen to me. If you don't understand this, you got to get this. It's really the Holy Spirit as an inspiration going through this man, Paul. And so he's writing this, it's really the Holy Spirit begging you. And when I first got a hold of just that, I went, oh my goodness, if God begged me to do something and I ignored what he was begging me to do or treated it like it wasn't important, I would be an absolute idiot. And I believe you would be too. I'm just not going to point at you. I, he says, now I plead or beg with you. Watch this. Brethren. And I love the word brethren. He is writing to the church. Because the church is the only ones that can do this. The government is going to try to do it. The police departments are going to try to do it. The cultures that we have in America are going to try to do this. They will never get the job done without God. Never. They'll keep trying, they'll keep trying, they'll keep trying. They'll never get the job done without God. So he writes to the brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here comes the bizarre part that you all speak 
the same thing. And that there is no divisions among you. <laughs> A whole country is torn apart right before your very face. People are riding everywhere, stealing everything, beating people up, murdering, killing. Cities with 30, 40 people murdered every single weekend all across the United States. And he says these words, that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together. In what? In the same mind and the same judgment. You gotta be kidding me. That's an impossibility. And when I first read this, I said, like you, that would be great, that's nice, that's like Walt Disney's Fairyland movie, you know, where you have everybody la la and land great, but that's not the reality of where we live every day. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and he says, do you think I would ask you to do something that you can't do and that I'm sitting up here in heaven just laughing and saying, look at those stupid little humans. I told them to do it and they're trying, but they can't do it. And I said, sir, I'm so sorry. He says, then don't say you can't do it because in the natural, you can't. But with the Holy Spirit, you can. And that's why we have a culture in America today that's trying in the natural to bring peace and harmony, respect and unity and honor each other through some other method other than the power of the Holy Spirit. And stop and think about it. They will never speak the same thing. There will always be a division. They will never be perfectly joined. They will never have the same mind. They will never have the same judgment. But we, the church, that have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, have the ability to take this verse. It is a plead from God and bring it into our lives, into our homes, into our families, into our hearts, and change the world around us. And without the Holy Spirit, all we have is well-meaning a lot of people that love to hear themselves talk. And a lot of criticism and a lot of judgment on every side. A woman not too long ago who I love and consider like a child of mine, moved out of state and then she wrote an email to us and said, you, she's black. She said, you will never understand what it's like to be black in America if you weren't raised in a black family and you weren't married to a black person and had black children. You will never understand that. You're white. Let me share with you, she is 100% right. 100% right. I don't know what it's like to be black in America. I don't even really know what it's like to be white in America. And nowhere in the Bible does it say I have to figure out the culture to have a relationship with them. Because I don't know about the Hispanic culture. 
I don't know about the Asian culture. I don't know about the black culture. And for sure, I don't know about the white culture. And even though I might, here's my point. My point is, it's not about knowing about them. It's about knowing about what God wants and the power of the Holy Spirit getting the job done inside of each one of us. And we forget this all the time. And he gives us such a key truth in this verse. If you can put the verse back up, just leave it there for a moment. And let me show you some words in here, this verse. Because I started to, 30, 40 years ago, think about this verse, an amazing, it took me years to get past the fact that I couldn't do it. Finally, after God speaking to me many times, there's this word, you see where it says there is no divisions. The word is an interesting word. In fact, if you look in your Bible, it'll probably have in the footnotes of your Bible the word schisma. And then in the Greek, that's it. It's a schism, or we use the word schism. It means a tearing. It means a breaking. It means a fraction. It means a fracture. It means a, um, a, a, a division. In fact, let's put up some of the meanings of the word schisma and that I had planned on. Division, schisma, a split, a divide, a rent, or rend. Now, let me show you how the word rent and rend work together, because this is from the original text. So God's not just saying, let there be no divisions among us. He's actually given us an insight on how no divisions among us come about. Cool. The word rent there is an interesting word. It means to divide something away from somebody for a period of time. So if I go to the beach and I rent a bike for an hour, the guy that owns the bike gives up his right of ownership so that I can take that bike and ride it for an hour. That's called renting. If I rented a boat, it'd be the same thing. I actually divide the person's away that owns it from it, and I now, because of the money that I have transferred, I now have the use of the bike or the, or, or the house or the motorcycle or the boat or whatever it is that I rent. It's a division away from, is what it really, the word rent talks about. When I pay rent every month, it's a division away from the owner, and now I have control of that which I rented, whatever it is. The word rend is another interesting word. It's, remember, it's all part of that word schisma. It comes from the original Hebrew, which is really fascinating, and it comes from the original Greek. Both times, they both mean the same thing, tearing away or splitting. But the word rend means that something is torn and is no longer in a valuable position like it was before. The insinuation that says there is no division among us means that the, you are wearing something that has been torn in your life. And that's the insinuation. Let me say it again, so in case you didn't get this. The insinuation in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament is that you are wearing something, wearing something. Like, you know how you have clothes on, and if you tore off the sleeve or tore the part of the clothes, it wouldn't be as valuable as it was before. 
The insinuation here, when he makes a statement, there should be no divisions among you. He is saying that there is whatever it is that you are wearing that is not allowed to be torn up or there will be a tear in what it is you are wearing. Now, here's the, here's the big question, which is absolutely amazing. As Christians, I'm not talking about the world. The world doesn't understand this. The world isn't going to get this. The world's going to come along probably in your lifetime and ban the Bible because the Bible has too much of their thinking about death and murder and separation and all that stuff, and they will declare it to be a bad book and outlaw it in the land. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying that's a prophecy, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's just a battle that goes on. But here's my deal. What is it, here's the big question, that you and I as Christians wear? A lot of times people don't understand that. Because remember he said, let there be no division, which represents, the, let there be no tearing away of what you wear. So what is it that I wear that's so important that can help me to keep us together? So interesting. In order to understand that, we have to go to the words of Jesus. Is that okay? Remember the question, big question is, what is it that you wear as a real Christian, not just somebody who thinks they're a Christian, but as a real Christian, what is it that you literally wear every day that you can literally tear if you were prejudiced or if you were, you were critical or if you dishonor uh, human beings, no matter who they are, if you dislike people, if you judge people, all those kind of things, there would be obviously a, a, a tearing away of what you wear. What is it you wear? In order to understand that, let's go to Luke the 24th chapter. In Luke the 24th chapter, which is probably one of the most fantastic uh, verses. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. In the 49th verse, Jesus is making a statement. And when he makes this statement, it opens up so much of our thinking that now it becomes literally bizarre. And it starts to get really cool. Keep in mind what the question is. The question is, what of you as a real Christian, when you got Jesus, what is it that you got that you wear? You say, well, I wear a suit, I wear clothes, I wear underwear. I wear... Uh, no, I'm not talking about your physical clothes. We're talking spiritual now. And he comes along and, 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 and Luke 24, 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father how many know what the promise of the Father is? And he says, upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be, until you are endued with power from on high. Now, a lot of times people don't understand that. They just read it, don't think very much of it. But you see the word up there, endued? Come on, don't get brain dead on me right now. This is your... Let me tell you something. This is your life in the future. If you don't understand this, you are going to suck eggs as a Christian for the rest of your life and wonder where God is at and why your prayers aren't really being answered. So you might as well just listening just for a few moments. Is that okay? Wake up. The word endued means to be clothed with. And he says you're clothed with 
the Holy Spirit and his power. So when he says, let there be no division, schisma, tearing away of what it is that you wear. What you wear is the power of the Holy Spirit himself. And guess what happens? If you allow a division and the tearing away, then therefore it's not going to be as effective as it needed to be. And guess what? You're the results are you got prayers that aren't getting answered. Is anybody listening? To be endued and clothed with the Holy Spirit. Go back to the verse again with me. It says, behold, I send the promise of the Father. We know that's the Holy Spirit. Upon, didn't say just in you, but upon you. You're wearing it like a coat. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The pastor just taught that in Acts 1 and 8. Powerful understanding. We have the Holy Spirit on us. As soon as we get out of sync with other humans, we start judging. We start criticizing. We like some people because of the color of their skin, and we like others because they don't have, they're not that color, they're your color. And we hang around our color because we feel more comfortable with people that are like us instead of hanging around people who are filled when enclosed with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I'm more comfortable. I don't even look at the skin. That means nothing to me. Why do you think God made so many different colored skins? Because we're going to have to learn how to realize that there's only one race. It's the human race. There's a lot of cultures and they are so cool and we need each other. But guess what? It's just about the human race. And there's a lot of dummies in every culture that ruin it for everybody. But that's God's going to deal with them. In the meantime, I don't judge. I don't criticize. I honor. I respect. Now listen to this. Because I don't want to tear the Holy Spirit that I'm wearing. I need the power of God in my business, my home, my family, with my children, my finance, dreams, vision, destiny that God has before me. I have a God-given destiny before me. I got heaven waiting for me, man. I am not going to strip the Holy Spirit to get me to heaven. So I have this. Now, what we don't understand is how cool this really gets. Okay, can I go a little further with you? Are you all right with me so far? Because I'm going to really take you now deep. I'm going to take you into the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a physical expression of the spiritual New Testament. The stories of the Old Testament are stories that express spiritual principles of the New Testament. It's why they're there. It's why it happens this way. The stories of the Old Testament express the spiritual principles of the New Testament. So someone comes along and says, I don't hang around, you know, with the New Testament. I only study the Old Testament. I don't believe you can figure out the Old Testament without the New Testament. Not to the depth that I'm going to explain to you in a moment. And I don't figure you can figure out the New Testament without the depth of the Old Testament. 
So this gets really cool as you start to realize that they play off of each other. You know why Israel was so separated from the rest of the world, the non-Jewish people, non-Hebrew people, separated. You know why? You think it's because God hated people? Not a chance. Not a chance. He's using them as God's people as an example of how we are in the world, New Testament, but not of it. That's, that's a simple principle. In other words, don't mix with them. Don't get involved in it. You're going to become like them if you do. So get away from them. And he shows that all through the, the Old Testament, not because he dislikes people, but he's trying to make a spiritual principle. When you're a Christian, you don't mix with the world. And you don't do what the world has. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it's all about. It even goes further than that. Let's take it the opposite way around. Do you remember the uh, robe of Jesus? They crucified him and they gambled through the dice for his robe. Do you know what they said when they threw the dice for his robe? They said, whatever you do, don't tear it into pieces because it's practically worthless when it's torn into pieces. So let's gamble for it and see who gets it because it was worth something. Did they do that because it's just a story in the New Testament? No. It is literally making a statement about what you wear is so important. And God is making a statement through the robe of Jesus to all of us that what we wear is so important, don't break it up because if it's broken up, it loses its value. <laughs> hey, listen, no. Let me, take you, let me take you a little deeper, okay? You, you ready for this? Are you okay with this? Or, or do, maybe you wish you went to some other church. Well, they're not open, so you have to come here. So, um, so, so, so let, me take, let me just take you a little deeper because I think you'll really like this, okay? So I, as a young man, I'm reading in Exodus. It starts in Exodus, and it goes through like the first 10 chapters. I don't know exactly what they are of the book of Leviticus, <laughs> you know. And I always said, someday I'm going to teach the book of Leviticus. And then uh, I started reading and studying the book of Leviticus, and you can't teach the book of Leviticus without understanding the book of Hebrew. They go arm in arm together. Hebrews and Leviticus are like amazing together. So it was silly for me to teach the book of Leviticus. I might as well just teach to us, the church, the book of Hebrews, which we did. I don't know how many years we were in Hebrews, but here's, here's my point. In the book of, it starts in when God is giving the law to Moses, and it goes to the priesthood in Leviticus. And he's starting to explain the most exciting subject you could ever read about it. Has anybody ever read the New Testament and you read one page and then you read another page and then you read another page and you say, God, what the heck is this all about? And why is this important? And you finally you gave up and went back to Jesus loves little children. <laughs> Has anybody ever done that? I mean, it's really kind of crazy. In these verses, even chapters that I mentioned, he's talking about the construction of the priestly robe. What it's wrapped like, what it's made out of. 
how to cleanse it. If it gets dirty from this way or stained, it must be cleansed like this. And then once it's cleansed, if it has a hole, it needs a repair, it repairs it like this. And he goes on and on and on, chapter and verse. I'm reading this going, who cares? I'm not going to build a robe. You know what I'm talking about. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, it's like, this is insanity. God was doing all of that to show us the importance of the priestly robe that we carried when we got the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. There is, like for an example, there's a head covering for a purpose. And then there's a purpose of the robe that if it gets tainted or if it gets spoiled by plague, in those days it was leprosy, and that which represents sin, this is how it's cleansed. And it actually tells you how to cleanse it. Oh, man. And then it, the robe actually has a cover for the priest over his chest area of stones. It's called ephod. And these stones represent all the tribes. And you read this, you go, what? Who cares? What's this all about? It hangs around the neck and it covers the heart area. And instead of it just being cloth or animal skin material, which is both used in the, in the, uh, in the priestly robe, it has now stones, precious, valuable, extra hard stones. You know what stones are? The rock. <laughs> they are rocks. And God is saying, make sure Jesus in your priestly walk covers your heart because of the most important thing. And everything out in the world right now wants us to, to judge, criticize, point fingers at, complain about, talk about. Uh, are there some goofy people out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're all over the place, but our, when we start opening our mouth and judging and criticizing and, 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 and being disrespectful and dishonoring people, we tear what, we, what we're wearing and we lose the covering over our heart and it diminishes the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And all of that in those boring verses and chapters were there to show us Verse 10 of Corinthians, the first chapter, don't let there be any divisions among you, because if there is, you will tear what you wear, which is the priest Holy Spirit. First Peter is kind of a verse, I wanted to close with this real quick, so please be tolerant of me. When you get others up here, they'll be finished by now, we all get to go home and cheer. But I, 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 wanna, I wanna finish this, because. I love you enough, and I know you can handle this for a few more minutes. Are you okay with me on that? Are you okay? Because if you're not, you need to leave, then go ahead. And I love you, but get, get something and watch it later on. First Peter, and I'll, I'll finish in five minutes. In First Peter, Peter writes as the head of the church to a scattered church of Jerusalem. In chapter 2, verse number 5, and he makes a statement. You ought to write this down because it's so powerful. This is New Testament now. And he writes this in verse number five. You are also living stones. 
Remember the stones that covered the heart of the high priest? Covers the heart. Now we have the stones of the rock, Jesus covering our heart. He says, are built on a spiritual house. And here he's talking about you and me. A holy priesthood. Can you imagine? By the way, this is all confirmed by uh, Revelation, first chapter, I think it's verse, I don't know what it is, read the whole first chapter, but it's right there, same thing. Uh, holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That is a, such a powerful statement. I'm no longer a loser. It doesn't matter how what my education is. There's no way in the world it has anything to do with the color of my skin, has no way to do with anything. In other words, God says if you get saved, born again, he levels the playing field for your life and actually causes you to be above it as a holy priesthood to offer sacrifices. What's the sacrifices? You and doing what he wants you to do when you don't want to do it. You. Verse number nine comes along and he says this. He says, but you are a chosen. Can you imagine? Everybody called you a loser, failure. Everybody calls you, you'll never make it. Your dad said, you're going to go to jail when you're a kid. You're a bum. You're a loser. You can't read. How do you expect to have anything in your life? Let me tell you something. The greatest, smartest, richest people on the planet are people who have God. They have it all. You are a chosen generation. Now watch these words. A royal priesthood. In the book of Revelation, it's called kings and priests. Can you imagine that? You wait a minute, Pastor, you don't understand. I just wear pants and, uh, you know, I got holes in my socks and a few in my underwear. Uh, I'm just a normal person. Guess what? It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with your heart. It's all about your heart. It has to do with what you are wearing, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. You're no longer a loser like the world. We are people that can change the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes along and he makes this statement, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Can you imagine that? A special people that you may proclaim the praises of him. Remember in, uh, in John 17, in start, starting about verse 20, it says this, that when you're in him and he are, he's in you, that the world would see that you are one together, loving each other, and they would know that you are children of God. Guess what? It's called oneness. He says you are proclaiming the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse number 10. And he says, who once were a people but are now a people of God who, who were not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Man, I wasn't anything before but now I'm something. I never had mercy but now I got mercy. Now I got a chance in life. Comes along verse number 11. I don't even know if I have 11 up there. Beloved, I beg you, Holy Spirit again talking to us. And then the, when the Holy Spirit begs us to do something, we need to slap some teeth out of our mouth, realize that he's talking to us and get serious about what he's saying. If you're serious about God, when God begs you, then it's time to be serious about your lifestyle. He says, he says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lust which war against the soul. Is that not what's taking place in American news today? Pfft. Verse number 12. 
having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Among who? Those without God. That when they speak against you as an evildoer, they may know by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. They'll know when God comes back. I remember that person who didn't fall into this and was this way and will glorify God in the day of visitation. Man, that, that is a powerful verse. So I, I don't know. I, I'm telling verse number 13. Therefore, he says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent I, I lost my place. I'm reading down here, and I've lost my place. Yeah, I'll read it up here. To the governors, as to those who are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Is that a powerful verse? Wow. Listen, I just want to close with one more verse. I was thinking about it on the way here, the Spirit of God dealt. We have communion. At the end of communion, it says something. At the very end of every communion, we read this one verse. It's found in 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 30. Watch this. Put it up. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. The word sleep means die. Because they did not discern the body of the Lord. Stop right there. We have always thought of that, including me, until I drove to church tonight and the Holy Spirit on the way to church said these words to me. You think they get sick and weak and die because they didn't discern the Holy Spirit and the ones that are sick, weak, and die are the ones who didn't discern. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said these words. In fact, we all think that way. What if it's not the people who didn't discern the body, but the prayers of the people that was weak because their spirit had been rent? And instead of being in full power, they let stuff of the world come in. And now they pray and they get no results or a little dabble do you here and there, when God wants more. And so the proper discernment of the body is that we are his body, we are clothed with his power, we don't let the trash of this world, we can now go back to 1 Corinthians, the 10th uh, the first chapter, verse number 10, if you go back there, it says this. He says, I beg you, all speak the same thing. I can only do that in Christ. I can't do it because of what you say, and you can't do it because of what I say. I can only do it because of what he says. And once I say what he says, I can now speak, and I can do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in my own power, but by his power, I can do that. 
Then he comes along and he says, there's no divisions among you. Man, I, I don't allow anything to be torn of the Holy Spirit that comes in my life. Those things that would keep me from the things of God. I am a priest to God, a holy nation. I'm here to proclaim the goodness of God. I live in the light of the Lord. Listen to this. And he comes along and he says this, but be perfect. See the word perfectly joined? That means maturely together. In the same mind, I can think the same thing you think and I can have the same judgments you have, not because of the color of our skin, but because of a God that lives within. And without that, my friends, the nation will fail and the church will fail without a discernment of what true unity is all about. And I'm finished for tonight, but I hope you got something out of it. If you did, come on, give him the praise. Will you do that? Isn't that good? So let me just take a moment make sure that everybody's all right with God before you go, and then I'll let you go. Thank you for allowing me to go a few minutes longer than before. Thank you for uh, listening. Man, you guys were good at listening. Uh, can I just ask a personal question? No, without, you know, you, you, you don't, if you lie in church, you fry. You don't want to fry. So here's what I, did, raise your hand if you really got something out of it tonight to go, from God. You really got some, praise God, about at least 50% of you. That's pretty darn good. That's really good, in fact, and I'm excited about that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.